Right, Joel. Mez. What is happening? Man, not a whole lot, brother. You you wrote a series of articles for us that were absolutely fantastic. They were they your favorite? I think probably some of the best stuff I've read. Well, what give me a give me like a summary of what I said, Mez. Basically, you were just saying like you've got to be careful of false gospels in the world and that, and then just preach some true gospel and that's so general. Don't take any crap from anyone, right? Stuff like that. Yeah. How's that? How's that, Ben? Did that sum it up? Ben's Ben's not here anymore. Well, I can see him. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. That's that's about it. I'm gonna, I'm going to send you the link right now, Miss. Hang on a minute. How can I? You're not here, but I can see you grinning. But the people watching this can't. That's how magical Zoom is. So is this going? This is not going out live though. This is being recorded. It's being recorded. I'm confused. Anyway, okay, Joel, you wrote these articles. Let's My, at least say something about them. What? Yeah. Have you read the articles, Mess? No. Don't you think you should read the articles before you interview me on the articles? Well, to be quite honest with you, bud, nobody told me the point of this meeting. And so I just thought, I'm just thought I'll come and have a chat with you about stuff. And all of a oh, sudden, good. I'm, I'm being told. It's uncut. We can talk about whatever you want to talk about. But yeah. I will. I'll, I'll. I'll give you a little overview since you didn't read my articles. Right, go on then. But could, here's the thing: I could have lied to you, Joel, and said I did read them. But you're honest. But I'm honest. I'm. I'm. I'm honest and rude. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are you more honest or more rude? You're rude probably, because you're honest. Probably more rude. So what I was doing, Mez, was basically talking about subtle false gospels uh in the community so we we talk about uh you know clear false gospels like prosperity gospel or workspace gospels of other religions uh what i was trying to do in the article was basically to say that in our communities people are driven by various subtle false gospels and so what i did little background was i i hit up our people sent out a big message and said, hey, what are some of the false gospels that are most prevalent in our community? And what was interesting to me was that people didn't respond with like the prosperity gospel or Islam or whatever, uh, whatever the, you know, the clear false gospels might be. Uh, but it was all subtle stuff like I got to get myself together. God knows my heart. Change the community. And so, uh, so I was thinking like, what, it, you know, what are these subtle false gospels and what is the go gospel narrative that is guiding each one of these? And then how can we, as the people of God, uh, be intentional in addressing these, these subtle false gospels? Because I think a lot of times, like a lot of times people say things that sound cute, they sound nice. Uh, in the church or outside of the church, and we don't necessarily see it as a false gospel, you know. So if if I hear somebody say, uh, you know, I got to cut off toxic people in my life, I don't know if they say that in Scotland, but that's something that they might say in America. I got to cut off toxic people. They're not just simply um, saying, uh, you know, a, a statement of good advice uh, or something that they ought to follow in their life, but I think there's a sense of uh, uh, good news behind that for them. Like there's a, a gospel narrative that's at play uh, behind a, a statement such as cut off uh, toxic people or um, uh, God knows my heart. 
so we, we can't just say yeah to these things we've got to we've got to think through it and god knows god knows my heart is a crap thing to say isn't it it's a crap thing to say because well first of all it's true that god knows your heart isn't it but that's not necessarily good news yeah but that's not what they mean when they say god knows my that's heart no. yeah. i keep trying to change my glasses because i can't see jack I'll tell you what, I'm going blind as a bat, so let me sit. Right, so talk to me. Has uh, ministry slowed down for you during the, uh, the the virus, or I'm I'm assuming you Americans are have on less stricter conditions than we are currently in Scotland. So in Scotland right now, if you gather, you're going to jail. Well, you're getting fined. It's a two hundred pound fine on the spot if you meet if you're caught out outside home um, with anybody that's not from your home, and you don't have a, a specific reason like I'm going to the doctors or I'm getting food. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So here, ministry has slowed down for sure. Not quite to that extent. We can gather. Um, we can do some things. Oh, so you can still gather then? So you're not stopping from meeting on a Sunday? We did stop from uh, March until August. Right. And our church started regathering at 25% capacity right. in August. All right. Yeah, so we so gather we with a portion of our folks. So we shut down in March. I can't remember then when we started up again. We could start up again with 50 people distanced. Yeah. Um, we actually planted a church in the middle of it. That's good. Bingham, um, and sent out about sent out about twenty churches and twenty adults and about twenty kids. So that started in okay. Easter last year. Then we've been stopped again. So we're sort of back onto the old um, recorded sermons. But um, but we've actually seen an increase in ministry and an increase in unbelievers um attending our evangelistic stuff and soul saved so actually yeah COVID's one of the best evangelistic things that we've ever done yeah that's great so yeah it's been evangelistic for us too I've, I've got uh random phone calls from people who uh one one lady in particular she was trying to uh connect with a church she couldn't find anybody answering their phones i was the only person that answered and uh she just wanted to know the gospel pretty much how do i be saved and so praise the lord right that's with us and we baptized her a couple weeks ago so tell me uh what's going on with john MacArthur? if i get sent another video clip of john MacArthur telling me that the covid virus mm. is a international satanic led hoax designed to bring down the church of god i think i'm gonna mainline the covid virus into my veins yeah man there is uh, a lot of divisiveness out there right now and i think we have in america allowed our american politics i don't know how this plays out in scotland this is interesting to me actually but we've allowed American politics to divide the church. And, you know, it's all based on these tribalistic ideas of if, you know, if you acknowledge the COVID virus and you acknowledge all of these other things or vice versa. And it's, you know, we're dealing with like an anti, anti, uh, 
uh, COVID virus, coupled with anti-social justice, coupled with uh, um, anti-vaxxers. Anti-vax. I don't know, man. I'm getting a lot of guys. I actually stood up in the pulpit a few a while back when the second time when we were allowed to meet and said, "Listen, stop sending me ridiculously stupid videos of John MacArthur, please." So in Scotland, how does a John MacArthur affect sort of Scottish? He doesn't affect us at all. I like John MacArthur for the record. I think he's a good guy and he's a faithful gospel guy. Um, But what we've got is a completely anti-authoritarian community who basically don't want to wear masks, don't want the government to tell them what to do and don't want anything to shut down. And all of a sudden, young Christians who are seeing this stuff online and going, well, John MacArthur says that it's not even biblical to shut your church down. We should keep going and screw the government and screw what the rules are. We should be free for Jesus and you know the drill, right? And Scottish politics has got... I keep saying to people, listen... Their system of politics has got nothing to do with us. And John MacArthur and what's happening there has got nothing to do with us. So our church's position, at least our elders' position, and we all disagree. I, I, don't, I think masks are a waste of time. That's my personal opinion. I don't think they protect you from jack. But yeah, the majority of the elders and, and, and the membership feel that we should wear masks, et cetera, et cetera, and all that, follow the rules. So that's what we do. And um, yeah. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, but if I start to feel that the laws become too restrictive and start straining against uh, biblically our, our conscience and what we feel we can and can't do, then that would be a different, a different matter. But right now, I think it's a serious situation. There's a new strain. There's the, Nidri has the highest uh, rate of COVID in Scotland currently, um, and someone was saying, "Yeah, oh, it's because see, look, it's because we're poor." And I said, "No, it's because we're morons and we don't wear masks." Um, you know, a lot of us, even though I don't, I mean, I've had it twice, COVID. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think the masks protect us, but anyway. But uh, what's happening is I'm just getting a lot of these little clips sent. I don't even know if they're in context. John so, Miss, are these clips coming from people like in your congregation? Yeah, who are yeah. Happy yeah. with in, you shutting in, down. They're like, hey, we shouldn't shut down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, guys who are nuts are like, look, this and this, and yeah, you're like, honestly, stop sending me 90 second clips. I don't, I don't know what's going on with out there. Yeah. Well, and so, where, look, this is where it becomes divisive is if you, uh, if you do shut down, if you do shut your service down and acknowledge the fact that there could be some dangerous element or even just acknowledge the fact that the government wants us to play it safe right now. Yeah. Then you are lumped in with people who are just led away by the media and you're just, you're not being faithful to the word of God. And you're not trusting God. Uh, I mean, right? I think the problem in our culture, partic- I think the problem in our culture particularly is everybody is hooked on all sorts of crackpot theories and hoaxes. Is it 5Gs? Is it the Chinese? Is it this? Is it that? Is it the other? And so these things fly all around social media and then people pick a little clip. They've got nothing better to do with their time but sit on the computer and in their underpants or, you know, all day long, Um, listening to whack jobs and picking up this bits, bits here and bits there. And I think they just send them. They've got no sort of filter. Um, And then, you know, once some, if John MacArthur says the word conspiracy, then that's it. Bang. It must be true. And so it's like, hang on a minute. Very difficult, isn't it? Because he's got such a lot of influence. I don't know if, if it's the same influence he has in the States. It's not like people know who he is. 
it, right. it just it's a small Christian world in the UK, and these clips just get passed around. Right, right. Um, while we're talking about John MacArthur, could I pose a question on your podcast? Do you like? All right. I mean, I know this is your podcast, so I got to get your permission. Um, yeah, you do. Look, you, I know that you've been studying sort of like class issues. Yeah. And that brings up questions of social justice. Oh, and I'm one of the John MacArthur things as well is is an, a statement against social justice that has kind of become a, a test of orthodoxy, if you would. I, I, I'm talking to a wall now. There we go. I want to get my two books, three books I'm currently reading. So, you know, you know, I'm writing a book right now, right? Um, I think I knew that. What's your book on? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on. It's on. It's on the least, the last and the lost in the UK. I like it. And, and where, where on earth is the evangelical church? It's nowhere. Right. 38,500 poor communities, scheme communities in England and Scotland, Ireland and Wales. 38,500. You'll find less than 100 churches. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, I've done a lot of hit, this one under class history. I read this one. Someone sent me this one. This is that the reformed dudes, I'm assuming. Social justice is not biblical justice. Have you seen that book? Yeah, but that's kind of the that's that phrase right there is a phrase that I have a problem with. Well, I quite like this book. It just sucked on application really yeah. badly. The basic application was, and I disagree completely, is everybody can pull themselves up by their bootstraps if they try hard enough. That's what they say. That's basically what he's saying. It's very American. It's like the American dream is available to all. If you're smart enough and clever enough and this and that and that enough, yeah. then you'll rise to the top. Yeah, uh, problematic. More than problematic. But you can't argue with the theology. But here's the thing, though, Mez. That phrase, though, why social justice is not... What, read, that, read that title again. Why social not justice is not biblical justice. See, that, that's problematic. Because what happens is if you use the phrase social justice, now you're put into a, a, a heresy camp uh, yeah. because that's not biblical justice. Where I would say, I think social justice, depending on whose definition we're using, depending yeah. on how we're defining that, is a part of biblical justice. I don't think this guy would agree with you. I think he's... Um... I actually like this book. I, I, I rec I'd recommend this book theologically. I'm going to have to check it out. I, I really would. I, I mean, I thought I was going to hate it. Just going to be some right-wing Nazi telling us all whatever. But actually, it's clear. It's solid. It's biblical. But as I said to you, once you get, once he establishes, yep, 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 then we get to where they're really weak. And they're really weak. I'm a, I have no idea who Scott David Allen is. I'm sure he's a good guy, but it just rate, reads like someone who's not lived among poor people. Yeah. It's like he's an academic, I mean, I may be wrong, academics type book, solid biblically, but yet again in reform circles. And it comes to put putting into practice and working this out on the ground, they just fail miserably because all they've got is ideals up here. Like the American dream works. Well, Maybe they'll do for people who get a head start. This next one, though, I haven't read yet. 
This is uh, Confronting Injustice Without Compromising Truth with a foreword by John Perkins. I'm going to assume that is uh, <laughs> going to be slightly different than the one I've just read. Uh, I've not started it yet. Um, and then this one here, Underclass, A History of the Excluded in, since 1880. That actually includes the UK and the US. And I hadn't realised that there was public policy in place in the UK in the late 1800s, openly discussing sending the underclass, as they call them, the non-working class poor to labor camps. Wow. Literally forming labor camps. Wow. Much like the R Russians did with the gulags. And, wow. um, and, and apparently the, the idea was floated for poor black Americans as well. Wow. Um, anyway, but yeah, so. That's social crazy. justice. I don't think when we say the word, so I think the thing is when we say the word socialist here, I'm cool. I'm a socialist. Lots of American people who's about 20 schemes that makes them sweat an awful lot. Yeah. And so when I think when, when I hear the word socialist and read it in titles, I just don't think we're talking about the same thing at yeah. all. I think the yeah. word is just completely and the guy is arguing for, let's look at what biblical justice is. And I think I quite like that um, because we're not, the Bible doesn't argue for social justice. But right, the Bible right. argues for justice, which we, which affects or should affect all social stratas, right? Yeah. So that's what, look, I would just say this, that I, I, don't, I don't think we should uh, demonize the term social justice or um other forms of justice i think there there's when we talk about justice there are different facets of of how yeah. that's played out and one, 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 one side seemed to use the term like pejoratively right i mean it's oh, like yeah. if you're a social justice dude that's it you're, you're written off well that's and that's a big thing right now in america in evangelical circles is you're written off if you if you use the term um yeah. Actually, in America, again, I don't know how it is in Scotland, but in America, if you use the term, you're a cultural Marxist. Yeah, yeah, we hear that. But here, I don't use the term. I use I, I preach the gospel. And I live the gospel yeah. and I disciple people. Sure. And in the midst of that. Justice and social changes get worked out. Right. That's, right. that's how I see it. I don't I don't I'm not a social justician. I'm, that's not my gig. I'm a gospel preacher, plant churches, disciple people, and then we see their lives transform, their families' lives transform, and communities transform. Right. Whatever people, that, brother. Yeah, and whatever people want to call brother. that. Usually these arguments are being had by... I, I, I said this to Matt Dever once. I, I think there was a year, few years ago, there was a thing at T4G and a load of, load of black dudes were at the front doing a panel. Do you remember that one? Oh, uh, the MLK. Was that, was that what it was? But they it was all, MLK panel. All that dicky bows on talking about. Maybe. What do you call a dicky bow, Ben? Bow ties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I, I, I tend not to take my views on working with the poor from a guy with a dicky bow. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, I think a lot of this discussion, I'm not saying it's wrong to be had, is being had at such a high intellectual level passing words that guys like us who are working on the ground are thinking just get a grip boys yeah but i think that the dude who wrote um 
social justice is not biblical justice. And I think he's right. Words matter. What we say matters. How we present it matters. I, I thought he's really strong yeah. laying out the, the biblical foundation. I think what these guys need to do more is write a book with a practitioner on the ground who can just push back and say, yeah, 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 yeah. But what about here? What about there? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, or have more practitioners write books. Yeah, which is what we're trying to do, right? Which is one of the reasons I'm writing this book. Yeah. Um, but, but no, man, I, I, I 100% agree. I'm a gospel preacher. I don't use these terms. Um, I just, what I'm saying is, is, I just think there's divisiveness that's being had right now in American culture that's yeah. trickling down from politics into the church. And yeah. if somebody uses the wrong term, instead of trying to understand what they're saying, they're yeah, just yeah, yeah. thrown out. And, uh, you know, you could have a guy who's been a faithful gospel preacher for years who uses the wrong term. And all of a sudden he's considered to be, uh, you know, a liberal or whatever can you want to put him in. That's my concern. Yeah, but no one's ever walked up to me, my 21 years in the ministry and working with the guys I work with and said to me, do you believe in social justice? So again, right. I think it's, I'm not, I don't think it's just an American thing, but I think it's like Americans are nuts. That's what I always say to people. Yeah, we are, bro. Because because I, I was arguing with an American dude came over. We get, get quite a few visitors, as you can imagine, and quite a lot of them are like, you know, Trump supporters and stuff. And uh, um, I was arguing with a guy about socialism and how in the U.S. Christianity, or at least modern Christianity, is often associated with the right and um, like liberalism and sellouts with the left. Whereas biblical Christianity in the UK, historically, particularly working class Christianity, was always aligned with the left. And only the rich landowners were right wing. And mm. so I said to a lot of Americans, you've got to understand when you're coming, when you say the word socialist here, that you're using pejoratively, that's a good thing here because the social reformers who, who invent Christians who invented hospitals, schooling for the poor, um, you know, legal rights for the poor, better housing, slum clearances, they were all social justicians, if you like, who happened to be Christians. But he couldn't quite understand why. I'm, like, I'm just saying to him, you've got to be careful when you're coming over here. Most Christians would call them, not most, but the majority of Christians, particularly from my background, would call themselves socialists. And that would not be thought of. We're not Marxists. We're not communists. We just believe that uh, the, the state, the church, the state, those with have a responsibility to um, support and encourage and um, help those who have not. And then we get into the whole debate of um, we've got to do it in such a way as we're helping without hurting, yeah. which we both agree on. Right. So our socialism is not saying let's just take all your money from rich people and give it to poor people and then create a level playing field. We're not saying that. We're saying the yeah. Bible says, you know, yeah, justice and helping and feeding the poor. That starts with the church family first. That's right. Yeah. Do good to the household of God, and then um, to uh, uh, the outside world. But we want to make sure that in our helping and our um, 
helping people out of poverty, if that's possible, that we are helping them, one, to rely on the Lord Jesus Christ, two, and two, to make sure that what we're not doing is um, uh, accidentally keeping them in poverty by over-helping, over-discipling, making mm -hmm. them over-reliant on us, because that's what they're... Know what, but it's like in the US, but in the UK, the social welfare, welfare state has kept people unemployed for 50 years, generations. Right. right. Well, and to be fair, to be uh, to be fair, I think that would be the concern with some Americans on socialism. Yeah. Regarding socialism is. No, and I'm saying that's a fair thing. But when we say the word socialist, we don't mean all that. We mean yeah. the responsibility to help the poor among us. Which is called social justice. Which is called societal. A, no, it's called being a Christian. That's what he's called. True, but you also think that non Christians should, should uh, as part of God's common grace, seek to help those who are disadvantaged. Yeah, but that's they're not my We want to bring the state into the into the conversation. Yeah, my responsibility is to help those in need among the church family primarily. Yeah. Hey, have you ever read um Basil of Caesarea? Basil of Caesarea. No, but he sounds like a right laugh. <laughs> I don't know what you mean by that, but oh Bazas. Yeah. Um, so 300s, 386. I'm reading some sermons from him by th from 386. He was one of the Cappadocian fathers, and uh, he was friends with Athanasius, Nicene Creed, Trinity. He's known for his work on the Trinity. Anyway, uh, he Basil has these series of sermons on the poor, and basically uh, says, that, I think he was preaching these sermons during a famine, I believe, and he basically says, like, uh, Christians who have ought to share what they have with those who don't have. You know, so if you have grain rotting in your barns, it's better to give that grain to the people that are starving than to let it rot. Yeah. And he, he, uh, he his whole premise is, is that God has made the world with uh, enough for all people to survive. Yeah. And the reason that certain people don't is because others come along and take a whole, you know, third of the field yeah. for themselves and there's not a lot, uh, enough for everybody left. And so the Christians then in, in, in Basel's uh, parish or whatever they would have called it, were called to, to share. Well, it's to a biblical that. principle, right? Even in the Old it's Testament. Very, where... I mean, it's very simple. Yeah. Yeah. You now, what's different link, though, and I think what's, to those. what's that? You got any links to that? Send it to me. Oh, well, yeah. It's so ironically, and maybe this is why I'm thinking of the word social justice, but the, the, the book is called On Social Justice. Yeah, the series, a collection of sermons by Basel, called "On On Social Justice," uh, but I'll I'll send it to you. It's very good. Um, I mean, listen, we've, but, got but, we've got to remember. I just get bored with this social justice thing because this stuff was happening in the '60s and '70s with liberation theology, and then you know, uh, and it's just the same stuff. If anyone's read the history, but just getting rehashed, isn't it, again and again. And again, there really is nothing new under the sun on this stuff. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, I mean, I, I'm happy to talk about it with you because I know where we're at. I know what we're doing. I know what we're trying to do. I just, right. I get invited to lots of chat. You come and talk at this and that and talk about social. And I'm like, not really, I'm not really going to go and sit in a hall full of people down yeah. in London somewhere 
having an intellectual debate with a, basically everybody on the stage was just waiting to pounce on me. Right, right. Uh, into a room full of Christians, mostly middle-class, well-to-do, who are never going to minister in our communities. And I just don't see the benefit. Yeah, that's right. Do you know what I mean? It's just like... Yeah, and you know, one, one thing, Mez, I appreciate about you is that you are a gospel guy who also has this broader understanding of the implications of the gospel as it relates to our love yeah. and our concern for the poor. And I think a lot of folks sometimes when they say, you know, just preach the gospel, just preach the gospel, it can, it can be an excuse for some people to not think about the poor. You know what I'm yeah. saying? No, I, I, listen, he's, he's, just preach the gospel, that's not what you mean. I mean that. No, I mean, just preach the gospel and live it. Yeah. yeah. That, that, but people stop at gospel and then they forget to live it. I mean, I'm just doing, I would do it. We just started the season Matthews. I'm just spent two months, right? Every day, listening to sermon, reading, researching the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is very clear. Um, faith and deeds, faith and deeds, faith and deeds faith and deeds mm. just preach the gospel and live it love your neighbor preach the gospel and live it yeah of course yeah, and so it's the live it bit that's where i'm like that's where all the all this stuff happens yeah and somebody said to me oh let's just forget the gospel and talk about the the living it the deeds i'm like no i'm not interested in that but i'll, I'll do both yeah well and it's part of living it that requires us to look at the under-resourced Poor communities and say, yeah. man, we've overlooked them in church yeah. planting and in healthy ministry. We've just yeah. completely overlooked the poor. And so we've got to pour money into that. We've got to yeah. raise up funds for that and try to figure out like, what are some strategies to actually. And, and uh, this, is, this is my next book. Communities. I, I paid a guy, a PhD student, I paid him for two years to research every poor community in the United Kingdom. That's a lot, right? and getting the demographics on everything, everything you can possibly think of. And, uh, and then uh, where, is the, where is the evangelical church in regard to all of these poor communities? And, um, and so this book is basically going to be the, the end result. What's going on? Where are the poor? Why are the poor not represented in church? Why, it, why, why is there no um, theological education that... Um, is training developing and preparing the next generation. The whole system's broken. It needs to be looking at. We need to rethink mercy ministry. We need to rethink evangelism. We need to, you've heard all this. We need to rethink discipleship. Um, we need to rethink as a church, what are we giving to? Um, we need to stop giving to parachurch ministries and start properly funding church plants in poor communities. So you, we, you know where I'm at. And if you want to, put all that under the umbrella social justice. I'm cool with that. <laughs> but uh, do, do you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, it is interesting. Yeah, it sounds good, man. I'm looking forward to reading your book. Yeah, it'll be it's basically UK stuff. But I'm hoping the principles carry. They seem to, right? Yeah. Now, you're yeah. going to do, do some stuff in the book. The other thing about the book is this, is it's um, part textbook, but also part how we move forward books so i'm getting a lot of guys you included to include essays on why doesn't the trick for instance uh, the whole tim keller uh, obsession with reach the culture shapers reach the culture makers trickle down why does not why doesn't that work right. why isn't 30 years of mercy ministry and well, poor communities produce strong churches and leaders 
right. and essays from different people across the spectrum. What, what, how can we think about theological education and train men and women for ministry who aren't necessarily great readers, but they're still gifted by God to be good leaders. And so I'm hoping it's going to be a bit of a, I know it's going to annoy people. Uh, that's not my intention. It's a little bit, but we've got to do something. haven't we, we are solidly reformed believers all the way down the line, 100% gospel guys. But it seems like our, our own tribe are continually shooting us in the back <laughs> while yeah. we're taking arrows in the chest from the social justicians. Yeah, that's good. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I think, yeah, so I'm excited about it. That's good, man. What's the book called? What'd you say? Love. It's what, working title is the, the, the least, the last and the lost. Least, last and the lost. The, uh, it's basically the uh, poverty in the United Kingdom and what, 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 um, and what's the church doing about it? Yeah, I always forget my tiles. Never look here. Well, hey, and that takes look. That takes us back to the series of false gospels that I wrote for you. All right, that's a nice, nice segue, as they say. Yeah, this was all a preface. We've got to know what the true gospel is, and uh, a lot of these other things, like change the community, is a false gospel. It really can be. Um, I found the title. I found the title. The least, the last, are lost. Understanding poverty in the UK, and the responsibility of the local church. I like it. But yes, your articles. I was going to say something else. I'm just going to just zip off that. Your articles is uh, we are starting a new series. Uh, uh, Twenty schemes and church night places. Uh, starting to write a a a uh, commentary series. Did I, I think I told you about this? And it's called The Bible Made Simple. Hmm. And we're basically, what we, did, we wanted to do is say, obviously we work in a not very reading culture, they can read, but we wanted to say, what, what let's say we're doing the Book of Romans as a start because we thought we'd start with the easiest book. And um, we are, what, what people do is when they first come to Christ is give them a book it's a cross between a devotional and a commentary. So it does two things. One, it helps them to grow in Jesus. But secondly, we've structured it in such a way is that it helps a new believer how to correctly read the Bible. So read the text, pray over the text, um, understand the context. They, they, they aren't words we use, but understand the broader context. What did it mean to the original people what principles can we apply to ourselves? And then we've got little little fun facts and further study, other things to read. And again, it's not going to be rocket, it's not rocket science. We're not inventing anything. But all of the illustrations are going to be from things around us. And think it's not going to be from, you know, Bark or Les Miserables or whatever, or you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, we're going to get guys from around the world working in poor communities. Maybe they've done a sermon series and we're going to edit them and make them into these book forms. So if, I'd really like you to do a couple for me. Yeah. And, and the aim is to, the yeah. aim is to, to do the Bible. Uh, but a Bible, like a Bible, whole Bible commentary that has got insights and commentaries written from guys in Africa, China, America, Brazil. I mean, I'm really excited about it. Scotland, yeah. England. I love uh, it. I love and, it. 
and we're going to make it, we're going to actually self-publish. Um, quite a long chat with Tim Tallies about this. And one, uh, it's easier to edit. And I mean, it, Ben can just have editorial control. But secondly, and more importantly, we can distri distribute it free if we want, which we probably will do. But don't tell Ben that. But um, a lot of our audience is PDF, which means we can sell it so cheaply mm -hmm. and make it more accessible. So I'm really excited about that. I don't know what you think about that idea. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's good. Accessible commentaries. Yeah. Uh, for folks, assuming they probably don't have uh, a very high level of education. Yeah. But even just culture, context, illustrations. And also, which helps them. This is how you read the Bible properly. Do you know, just by yeah. by rote. Right, so right. That, that there's. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's so important, man. That's one thing that I'm always working with with our members is to just simply teach them how to read the Bible. You know, yeah, when we're exactly. coming up from Joshua and, and uh, it says, uh, uh, be strong and courageous. You know, what does that mean? And uh, does that mean that today as you, uh, as, as you go about your day and you try to accomplish your dreams, that you just have to be strong and courageous and God is going to take you to the promised land of your dreams? <laughs> how a lot of people here read the bible uh, oh yeah uh, we just got to teach them how to read the bible what is uh yeah covenantal understanding of various passages and understanding yep. what a type and fulfillment is and all of those things are so yeah. important that's what we're teaching in our ragged school right now it's really guys are absolutely buzzing about it yeah oh and it's like taking the blue pill or the green pill or whatever color the pill yeah. was yeah it, the lights turn on and you just start reading the bible in a way that you never did before that's good yeah so I'm buzzing. So I'll keep you posted on all these things that I'd really like you to be involved in that. Yeah. Um, Let it, me know. It'd be interesting, actually. It would be interesting to let's have a little discussion about this. One of the things we're discussing is should, um, how do we feel if women wrote what, some of the commentaries? This is a discussion we've been having because obviously as we're, we're both complementarian. Um, uh, I mean, I don't even have women deacons at my church. I'm pretty much pa patriarchal to be quite honest, but anyway you know the drill but um i don't see it like being a great issue particularly in thinking about a book like esther or ruth or something like that as long as um i mean i'll be co-writing them all anyway right. um but but we don't want to offend our people unnecessarily and particularly not our reform supporters um what's your yeah. thought on that women writing comments i never knew that you were worried about offending people that's no, but yeah, we're not trying to be con Yeah, I'm offensive, but I don't think I'm offensive. I think I'm blunt. I don't deliberately set out to provoke people. And that, you know, uh, do you know what I mean? Even though, yeah. well, I, well, actually, that's actually not true. I do deliberately set out to provoke people. In I know what you're doing. You're not trying to. You're not trying to uh, harm people's conscience. No, exactly. I just yeah. wondered, you know. Yeah, I think. Uh, Personally, I think it'd be fine. I, I think the prohibition is, uh, as it relates to teaching, uh, public teaching in the church, yeah. for sure, uh, the role of elder, the, the office of elder, the, what elders do. Um, as far as learning from um, a, a woman on a certain book of the Bible, um, I think women can teach me something. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I well, the I discussion would... is do we keep do we do that or do we just say, look in a, a lot of our books, do we just make a, a bit more of a, an effort to include some perhaps more 
female friendly illustrations and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that can be the benefit um, a female perspective. And it's not authoritative. It's not, you know, this isn't uh, a sermon. This is exegesis. And I don't feel like that's part of any prohibition. I think um, the only other question would be is whether or not you want it to be from pastors to pastors, which could be a, a certain angle that some people. Yeah, no, we're more thinking of it. Yeah, we're thinking of it. Pastors can use it if they want, but we're just talking about. For Christians, new Christians. Yeah. Here's a book. I mean, one of the best books on Romans I ever read, find really helpful, is a little book commentary by a guy called um, Stuart Olliott. It's called Not Ashamed of the Gospel, something like that. Not technical at all. Very, very simple, very, very down to earth. And actually a very, very helpful tool, more so than lots of these Greek things for um, sermon prep. And so guys may find it and i hope they will find it sermon helpful for sermon prep and illustrations and stuff but mm-hmm. we're writing it for for sort of everyday christians as well do you know what i mean right 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 well priscilla was part of her and her husband's ministry and helping apollo apollos come yeah, to uh, exactly what do you think ben i know you're not there but what do you think your position on that you have a strong opinions should women write commentaries yeah Commentary stroke devotional. Maybe emphasize that. If you're looking for great, great uh, 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 synopsis of the original Greek and that, we probably aren't you guys, but we'll be faithful yeah. to the text. I, w- I wouldn't have any uh, reservations about a woman writing a devotional. I can't say I've thought a lot about a woman writing a commentary. I, d- I don't know of any commentaries written by women. Maybe that says something. Do you guys know of any? Yeah, I, I, I know of a lot. Well, but generally, they will fall under the liberal. And again, this is where the reform community shoot themselves in the foot. Um, but anyway. I've got one on my shelf somewhere. A few. But you uh, would do, because you're like into social justice and that. So we all know where you're at. So. Come on. See, this is the problem. Yeah. I use the wrong I use the wrong phrase, and you put me into a liberal camp. You're there. You're, yep, no, you're there. Remember, remember to block his number after this, Ben. <laughs> I mean, we don't listen. We don't want people. We don't want people helping the poor, do we? You want them arguing over the meaning of words. That's, That's right. Yeah, our priorities, right? Important in life. Right. I, I mean, I'm done. I've got nothing else to say. Um, it's been good to see you, brother. Likewise, ma'am. We're uh, hopeful. We'll, I'm hopefully going to be in the states in. April. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're here, doing my little book tour. You um, were supposed to come to Baltimore right when the pandemic started. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. Was I doing something? Was I doing a workshop? You know, I'm doing these abuse workshops in the states in April. We were going to do something. I forget what it was. But where, where, you know. be? where are you going to be in April? Oh, Matthew knows things. I don't know anything. Gotcha. Phoenix, New um, York. Uh, Indianapolis. I'm going to see my daughter. I know that Kentucky. Oh, back in Louisville. Yeah, I was going to ask you. Did you did you did you read the abuse book? I did. It was, did, it was excellent. Did you find it helpful? It was a tough read, but it was good, man. But it's a good evangelistic book, right? Yeah. Good. Yeah, really good. I've given it out in our church to some folks. 
I got a couple extra copies on my shelf. No, good. We had a massive, massive response to that book. And then obviously the pandemic's hit and everything's on yeah. pause. But I think man, well, fun. you know, I was at I was in Scotland for your uh, uh, weekender on abuse. Oh, well, I can't remember. That was some of the best, some of the best teaching, man. It was so good. Yeah, the the doctrine of penal substitution, atonement, and abuse. It's, it's yeah. heavy, right? But it's good. It was a good conference. Right, listen, bro. I'm off ski. All are right, we, bro. Are we done? By the way, 